Welcome back, everyone. It's great uh, that you've tuned in today for our podcast series. I'm Tim Jamal. I'm CEO of NAP SoCal, and I'm so glad uh, that we have here today with us Jason Rich. Uh, some of you may know Jason. He's uh, uh, been around NAOP for a while, but in, in 2023, Jason was elevated to CEO of Snyder Langston, one of the Southern California's leading commercial and multifamily builders, now in its 64th year. Jason has a rich history with NAOP. Uh, 18 years ago, Jason was a member of the inaugural NAOP SoCal YPG class. And uh, last night was our capstone competition for the 18th class of the YPG program. And it was a really fantastic event. Uh, the winners were announced on social media. So check out our LinkedIn and our Instagram. But for now, Jason, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tim. I appreciate it. It's good to be here. It's great to have you. Well, let's uh, this actually, uh, I haven't gotten to know you very well. So Jason, I'd like to know a little bit more about you and, uh, you know, your upbringing. Where did you grow up? Yeah, so I was born in Indiana and uh, my parents grew up in Indiana. And so a Midwest family, grandparents, aunts, uncles, everything in Indiana. And when I was 10, my dad got a promotion and moved to the west coast and so i moved to the san gabriel valley uh, for my dad's job when i was 10. and uh, i grew up in a house with uh, two brothers i was the oldest so we had a house of three boys or as my mom would say four boys including my dad and so uh had a lot of uh testosterone competition we all got along <laughs> really well but uh, my parents sent us outdoors a lot because uh, three boys inside a house, you know, didn't work very well. So I spent a lot of time outdoors, both in, I say I spent the first half of my childhood in the Midwest and then the second half in Southern California. So, uh, well, were, were you the, were you the, the boss of the two little brothers? <laughs> uh, at times, at times I was the two bossy one. And at times I was the one that got blamed for everything and was told I needed to make sure they were safe and, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, but in general, we all got along. We, uh, we, we definitely had a lot of energy as kids, but, uh, we, we all got along pretty well. And, uh, it was, it was fun having brothers to play with. And we played all the different sports, baseball, basketball, uh, football growing up and about anything with a ball or anything to be outside was, uh, uh, what we did. And so it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a good, good childhood. Well, uh, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Michigan and I, I did all of the ball sports as well. So I can totally understand yeah. that. Do you have any, any roots or family back in Indiana? Oh yeah, still do. Uh, a number of family have moved on, but still aunts, uncles. Uh, I have one grandparent left. Uh, she's, uh, 88 and still living on her own in Indiana. And, uh, so we go back there, uh, uh, every once in a while, every couple of years. Um, and so I've got, yeah, family in the Midwest and in Indiana. My brother, one of my brothers has since moved back to Tennessee, uh, where we have some roots. And so he lives back there. So definitely still connected, uh, to the, to the Midwest. My daughter actually just uh, graduated from college in Chicago. So she spent the last four years in Chicago. So definitely still, nice. still a connection back there. What college? Loyola University of Chicago. Oh. Fantastic. Most people know it as the sister Jean from the, uh, from the NCAA basketball tournament. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Awesome. Well, so you're growing up, you're out here in California now. Yep. Um, you said San Gabriel Valley, I believe. Yep. So, um, you know, did, did you, did you have a pathway? Did you know what you were going to pursue or did it, how, how did you, what did you think about when you yep. were, growing up or you were just having fun playing ball like I was? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was definitely having fun uh, playing playing sports. When I got into high school, I actually had started in, in junior high, started playing water polo. And so I actually, to my dad's uh, dismay, I actually ended up uh, stopped playing baseball and basketball uh, after my freshman year in high school and focused on water polo. 
which was a fun sport, good friends and uh, that. I, I went to Glen A. Wilson High School in Hacienda Heights. And um, also in high school, my sophomore year, the summer of my sophomore year, uh, uh, I started working for a small general contractor at the church we went went to um, for $4 an hour cleaning concrete tools. And, um, and how much were you paid for four and a quarter? All right. So, uh, yeah. minimum, wage, minimum wage. Yeah. Right? And, uh, and started, and before that I had been taking drafting classes at school. And so probably somewhere about eighth or ninth grade, I started kind of getting interested in architecture and then, um, and then had gotten that job and worked summers in high school all the way through high school for this general contractor. Um, and so that kind of started my interest into architecture and, and construction. And uh, when I graduated high school, um, I decided I was, I my plan was to go to school at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo in, in architecture all through, or all through high school. And I had just, I made the decision uh, last semester of high school that I was going to go work full time in construction rather than go to college. Okay, that's a big decision. Yeah, yeah. Parents weren't too happy, but kind of went and did that and uh, and started taking classes at night at Fullerton College. And so I, I worked full-time for a number of years while taking classes at night before I then went back and uh, reapplied and went to, uh, got accepted to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo several years later and uh, in into architecture and went to school there. Because I kind of say my... My my thought was to be a you know white collar job in building was the only way I knew was to be an architect, and then uh, once I got to Cal Poly, uh, I found out about the construction management department, and somebody had told me, hey, with your experience, you should get a minor in construction management. And I said, well, what what's that? Mm -hmm. And so I I still remember to this day walking over to the construction management building, walking into the department head's office and kind of looking at the brochures on the wall and looking around and he had just walked in and said, can I help you? And I said, well, what is construction management? And so he sat me down and explained it to me. And I said, well, that's what I want to do. Um, and he's, and I told him I was an architecture student. And so you're not at Cal Poly, they're pretty strict on not changing majors. But uh, with his help, I ended up changing majors and got a degree in construction management and a minor in, in business. And um, and kind of the rest is history, I guess. Yeah, well, it sure looks that way. Hey, let me ask about, did you get an AA from Fullerton College or did you just take a few classes? there? I did not get an AA. I took a, a number of different business classes, general ed classes and architecture classes in order to transfer into Cal Poly as an architecture student. That's awesome. Uh, well, all right. Well, yeah, so you you you. It, I can see where the pathway is going here and let's get into that. So what, um, to, you know, you, 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 what's the start of your journey now after you get this bachelor is that it was a, a BS Correct. degree, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, well, I, 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 while at Cal Poly, they do a really good job of bringing industry into the, into the construction management department, both in terms of setting curriculum having activities and then for the overall goal of employment, they do an excellent job. I mean, uh, four, four days a week, there's a, each day of the week, there's a new company coming in, uh, giving inter introductions and explaining their company. Most of them Northern and Southern California, uh, you know, the largest contractors there are, not only commercial, but uh, residential and heavy civil. And so there were a lot of opportunity coming out of, of Cal Poly. Uh, I took a little different. Well, that's a, that's a good, it's a good plug for yeah. Cal Poly. We've got, we, we've got a lot of Cal Poly students that are uh, several students that are actually members that are active in our, our chapter. Yeah, it was, it was a really good education and even, and an even better uh, segue into the professional world uh, that they, that they've got set up there. And uh, I still go up there and recruit. We still, as Snyder Langston, still recruit pretty heavily up there. And uh, so it's continued to this day. It's a, it's a good program. So 
uh, I ended up taking, like I have most of my life, kind of a little different path than most of the graduates up there. I had, I was older. I was married uh, by that time, and um, mm-hmm. and with my experience in physically working in construction for a number of years, uh, I wanted to go to a smaller company where I could have a little more immediate impact. I didn't want to be a number at a big company and wanted to get uh, a larger breadth of experience, I guess you'd say, quicker. And so I went to, I went to work for a smaller company called DMK. Uh, Mike Valentine had started DMK at that point about nine or ten years previous to that. He was a Cal Poly alumni and had come up and recruited, and uh, they were based in Tustin. And so I had I made the decision to go work for Mike at, at DMK and got uh, a lot of good experience on a lot of different diverse product types, uh, different projects, larger and smaller, uh, and uh, got a lot of great ex- experience there and really liked it there. So I worked there for uh, a little over three years at, at DMK. And then uh, an opportunity came up through somebody I had known um, uh, at Snyder Langston. I had interviewed at Snyder Langston coming out of school, but decided to go work at DMK. And Snyder Langston had a, was going to start building a, an office campus down in Aliso Viejo for Shea Properties. And uh, the superintendent on that job that I knew had called me and uh, set, in, set in motion. Uh, and I had made the decision to leave DMK and to go work at, work at Snyder Langston. And so that started my journey with Snyder Langston. Wow. Okay. So you start with Snyder. Um, go, go ahead. Did you want to say, say something? I was, a, I was a project manager at that point at, at DMK for those several years. I ended up making a decision um, to take a project engineer position at Snyder Langston and uh, work on that office building. And in 2000, that was in 2002. Uh, and as most people know, you kind of ended up with the, uh, the dot-com and the uh, office market at the end of 2002. There wasn't much of that. So that office complex that was to be built stopped with one building. Uh, I was promoted to project manager uh, after that project and, uh, and started building. I, w- I went and built an industrial building, a retail building, and uh, uh, a multifamily building and just kind of started my career as a project manager at Snyder Langston building, you know, many different types of buildings. So I, I, I love project managers cause they do a lot of things well that I don't do well. Tell me what you, well, I mean, I, some things I do well, but they're highly organized, which I really appreciate Does that describe you? Yes. Yes. I, I guess in the, in the big scheme of things, I'm an engineer minded person. Uh, I was always, you know, good at math. Uh, logically lay things out, let's say, or at least logical in my opinion. Uh, organized, yeah, a to-do list, let's get this done, this done, be productive. Some of that comes also from, I mean, working construction starting in high school and then working for a number of years afterwards. In construction, you're, you're there to get things done. And so every day you've got to get things done. So you're trying to find the most efficient way to get it done. Uh, and so that was kind of ingrained in me for, for a long time from when I was young all the way through. So it really played well for me to be a project manager. The organization, the pro, I'll call it productivity, just come in and get things done. Get, get things done off, off the list. Don't let things linger uh, and be as efficient as possible with your time. So, Well, I, I'm definitely for that. I've become more of that the last few years as I get older. I'm like, just get yeah. it done. When you see the when you see the email, if you have the ten minutes, just do it then. Don't don't wait. Um, uh, so tell me about this journey now at Snyder. I mean, uh, where and what was I mean? You know, what are some highlight moments before uh, your ascension to CEO? Well, you know, at that at that stage uh, as a project manager, the highlights are what projects you go build. Uh, I went uh-huh. I went and built. Uh, we had uh, at one point uh, three different projects, uh, major projects at the Irvine Spectrum. Uh, my kids would come over at, at the end of the week on a Friday and go ride the carousel and felt like, you know, dad <laughs> built the entire Irvine Spectrum. Snyder Langston built from phase one all the way out. Uh, but I got to build the last phase that Snyder Langston did out there. Uh, started a good uh, journey with the Irvine company that, that lasts to this day. Uh, but I, but it was all about projects, going and building a high-rise uh, 
uh, office tower, uh, three levels underground, 10 levels up with a dome on top out in Riverside. Uh, that turned into the district attorney's office that we, uh, we built that out completely as well. So it was all about going and doing what I would say cool projects. And Steiner Langston has always had really notable projects in Southern California. And so to go build several of those, to go, uh, I then went and built our first, we have SL Residential, and I went and built the first multifamily project in downtown Long Beach that SL Residential did. And so it was set up that, that new company, uh, different agreements for, that was a condo project. So there's a lot of things different in doing a condo. And so that gave me a lot of good experience of not just project management, but setting up uh, a new division, a new type of work. Uh, I had done wood framing before, came from that, but in a much different scenario. So uh, trying to, you know, not be afraid to go into something that you have a lot of experience, but not necessarily in that specific area and go figure it out. So that taught me a lot. So those, those were a lot of fun things that I remember is doing some notable projects with some great teams and, and all different product types. Those are notable. And you just mentioned something about team, because I know you said you have a kind of an engineering approach, taskmaster approach, but you can't do without a team. Um, And so talk about the, you know, over the years at Langston, you know, working with people, I mean, that element of the work. Yeah. The, you know, the one thing that when I came to Snyder Langston, one of the big things uh, Steve Jones had integrated, it was in our reviews and that was one was diversity and two was sharing knowledge. We, ever since I've been at Snyder Langston, I've had the, the once a year Bill Langston Knowledge Sharing Award. Bill was all about gathering expertise, learning, continuous learning throughout your entire career and life and sharing that knowledge. And so we have a knowledge sharing award and it really instilled in me uh, to share that knowledge, not only with your team, but uh, we have Snyder Langston University. And so for my first year at Snyder Langston, it was, you're expected to go teach a class. Um, so, so find a subject that you're versed in and, and go teach others about it. And so it, it really instilled in me from early on uh, to not only build the team around you, but to spread your knowledge and build the company as well and the company knowledge and share that. And so there's uh, Bill Langston used to always say, be curious, go figure it out. Um, and so, and then go share that. Once you figure it out, go tell other people in the company about it and make sure we share that. So um, that took me from that engineering, do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's a different approach. Yeah. Do it it. yourself mindset to, I, I, I spent still, I'm spending my career figuring out how to embrace, go get it done myself, but how do I empower others? How do I uh, share that knowledge uh, so that others can do it? Uh, And that definitely, as you, as I started working on, larger projects and had larger teams under me and then started working on larger multiple projects and have multiple teams under you uh that really is a good a good base because you have to teach people what your expectations are and how to do it while you're not there and have some policies procedures in there and so uh being a project manager starting on small projects to large and then multiple projects really is a good uh, base and training ground for for doing that, but I I think it was all set up by first Bill Langston and then definitely Steve Jones and John Rochford and how they had the culture of the company set up to share that knowledge. So that's that's yeah that's great. Um, so you you just right this year you got elevated you were elevated to CEO yeah. Um, and ta- what I I was there a specific succession plan. And were you always part of it? So was this kind of preordained? You knew this was going to happen. Talk about yeah, that. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's definitely been a long process. We've had a 10-year succession plan, which this year is year nine, um, to not only financially transition the company, but leadership-wise as well. So um, back in 2014, started talking with Steve Jones and John Rochford, and they came and talked to me about their their plan for, for succession uh, and put a plan together for that. Um, we didn't have, we had, the only timetable we had was a 10 year transition plan. Uh, and so uh, myself, uh, Lee Watkins and Joey Lopez are, uh, were the partners that were invited to take part in that succession plan. And um, 
back in 2014 and started in 2015. And so um, that's been a that's been a journey and and something that was put in place by Steve and John and have and they've continued to be uh, part of that and leading that leading that journey. So in a little bit it was uh, known it wasn't something that was unexpected, but the timing of each of it hasn't uh, or of each step has you know wasn't preordained up in 2014. Um, they had started talking about it actually in 2000 and seven and eight and then something happened in like 2008 and nine in the economy that you know put a little wrinkle in it or you could say a huge grand canyon in it uh and so they they had um uh, once got through the you know the great recession and started building uh uh work back up in that that's when they started talking about secession and and putting uh putting a plan in place both financially and leadership wise well, I would be remiss to not say congratulations. Um, and so tell me about your day-to-day -day role today. I mean, I know you're yep. CEO, but what? <laughs> well, <laughs> each, CEO, each CEO approaches being a CEO a little differently. I'm a CEO, and we, we probably approach things a little differently as CEOs. Yeah. Well, the, the first thing I think as a CEO is you set the vision and the culture of the company, and just you know the day-to-day -day is, how do you come in day to day and how do, how do you set the company up and the people up for success and for how um, how they operate day to day and how they approach uh, the work that's to be done and the people around them, their coworkers and our clients. So my number one job, I think, is to really continue the legacy of Snyder Langston. Um, I'll call it big, big shoes to fill. And keep the really client relationships and I would say project pursuits, keeping a pipeline. Uh, we're in an industry that doesn't generally have recurring business. We've got to continue to keep the pipeline full. And we deal a lot on repeat clients uh, and clients that have multiple projects and continuing business, but there's no guarantee of that. And so uh, my number one role is to keep our culture to where it satisfies our clients and keep, and then to focus on project pursuits. Um, to keep the pipeline full and keep our people busy and and uh, and keep things going. Uh, so my day to day is focused on relationships, both with clients and our internal people, and keeping that um, keeping that pipeline full. And then and then keeping the finances and the business plan, um, you know, keeping us going, keeping us focused on those things, and setting what where we should be and what types of clients, what type of work. Uh, and what type of company we want to be and making sure that that's, uh, we're making gains on that uh, every, not just every day, but every year, have a plan, have a focus, make sure the company it's communicated out to the company and, and keep that going while all trying to have fun <laughs> as well. Yeah. 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 Well, Wes, we'll get to, we'll get to that in a minute, but I, I'm just kind of curious, you know, there's so much job hopping today. Um, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, you know, data, I think maybe it's becoming less prevalent, but still my, really, my question is your ascension, you know, from the ground up at Snyder, do you think that's still possible today with people who had your background, who started at a, at a, you know, whether it's a general contractor or a developer, do you think that could still happen? I, I definitely think it's still possible. I, I don't think it'll be the norm, um, you know, the the golden watch, be be somewhere for 30, 40 years and re retire at the place that you started is, is definitely um, not the norm and will be, you know, few and far between, but it's still not only possible, but I think it's, I think there's a lot of positives. Uh, I think there's some positives with changing and getting different experiences as well. Uh, and I think you're best probably to do that early in your career. Uh, and I think there's some, I've interviewed a lot of people that have um, have a lot of experience and varied experience, but they're generally at a certain point in their career trying to figure out how they, why they have a ceiling or why they haven't been able to ascend to a level they want. And, um, right. you know, that longevity, that ability to have a, uh, not just a reputation, but a following within the company that, uh, and some longevity really, I think does help you uh, uh, continue that ascension upwards, uh, you know, kind of 
might call it the corporate the corporate ladder, so to speak. Uh, it, you can definitely do it by changing, but uh, for consistency and longevity, it's probably better to have had more time with that company. And so um, I definitely think it'll still happen. Uh, it, I've had you know chances to leave and and different opportunities uh, approach me, and uh, I just for one, I really liked building. Uh, had chances to go to developers and other things, and I just my ex enjoyment and expertise really came from building buildings. I really enjoyed it. You mean actually not just building an organization, building yeah, a building. Yeah, yeah. It's now turned into building an organization and, and continuing that is what I laugh about. I'm still building. It's just now I'm building a company as opposed to building buildings. We have a company that builds buildings, but you know my job is to keep the company the, the company going. But uh, uh, And I think it takes a personality that is willing to stick through things with that either when times aren't as good or at times you get complacent and to be self-motivating. And uh, so I think it takes definitely a certain personality too to stay somewhere for a longer period of time uh, as well. So I don't think it'll be the norm, but I definitely think it's still possible for sure. Yeah, I agree with you. So you inherited a culture we talked about a little bit. Um, and can I, I mean, you think you're there to maintain the culture or are you there to maintain the best parts of the culture and then add some modern you know, flavor to. Yeah, I, I, Snyder Langston wouldn't be here today if they kept doing the same thing, you know, throughout the 64 years we've been in business. Not only, this, you know, the economy changes, market product types change. So you, any company and in any industry has to adapt, be able to adapt if you want to be, you know, have longevity. So whether that be in the types of stuff that we build, the types of clients we have, uh, or the culture, I think you have to constantly be evol evolving or you'll die. Um, and so my job is to, I think, take the best parts of it and the best parts of the legacy and continue it. And then also uh, keep up, not just with the times, but stay to, true to our core values by also evolving uh, and, and changing and making sure that's done appropriately to not only stay in business uh, and do well, uh, but to but to also hold true to the core values. So it's a, it's a little bit of both. It's a good balance. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into some nitty gritty. Right. We have, you know, lots of inflation um, seems to be mitigating a bit, but, you know, you often hear, well, construction costs yeah. are, too, are too much. How do you, how do you deal with that? You know, in your, in your, in your business or, is it is what is what it is? <laughs> how do you mitigate? How do you mitigate? Yeah, I, I wish we could control it, but I can't control the economy. I can't control inflation. But what what we said uh, early on, you know, a couple of years ago when it really started being inflating, is we've got to increase our communication with our clients. We've got to increase communication with our subcontractor trade partners. We've got to increase communication with the suppliers because things are changing on a daily, weekly basis. Uh, and we had to communicate that throughout the pipeline. So I think the number one thing is we can't control it, but what we can control is how we communicate what's happening and what needs to happen and how it impacts either existing projects or projects coming through the pipeline so that clients uh, have, the, have the best information to make, make decisions. So for us, it's all about communication uh, and keeping that going, telling clients where things are going, what we're hearing, what's headed. So, uh, we do we do that with a newsletter. We do that with phone calls. Uh, we, as an executive group, meet meet weekly, talk about these things, talk about who how to get that out to clients, how to get that information out. But uh, through the inflation, has really been you know a lot more communication. So you may not like the news we're telling you, but we're going to be honest with you and transparent. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's really, if you talk about the core values of Snyder Langston as a contractor, it's, it's transparency, open book, um, and, and be clear with good news, bad news, uh, pricing, everything is, is, is to be open with that information. How important is the supply chain to your work? It, extremely important. Uh, we can't build anything until it gets on site. And so even in times forget the last two years, uh, when I came here 20 years ago, one of the big focuses of Snyder Langston was you, 
we have to track that material all through. So uh, it's on the plans. We get a submittal, gets approved. We've got the, we're we're flying to different places to make sure that that's you know um, the quality is right and that timing is right to meet the schedule. Everything's done on a schedule, and so uh, tracking that, making sure it uh, is delivered timely, and is it through all the different steps that it goes through has consistently been a, a process of a general contractor's responsibility and uh, you can't build without it. We've now gone to the, you know, to the extent of tracking ships crossing the Pacific uh, uh, mm -hmm. to, to everything else and still do the job, uh, the fabrication visits both locally and nationally or, or internationally at times. And so um, tracking that is, is a huge part of our work. Otherwise you don't finish on schedule. Uh, you can't give accurate information to your client about, you know, so that they can get their tenants in and things like that. So supply chain is extremely critical. I'm just oh, go ahead. I was Did just going to say, you know, most over the last couple of years, everything from paint to insulation became extremely long lead times. You know, usually it's steel, it's curtain wall, and there's, you know, uh, maybe an electrical generator or gear, some piece that's uh, a long lead. But I mean, we've got everything down to to paint and insulation uh, being two and three months out, it's, uh, you know, causes a lot of problems. Most of that has subsided to this point. Um, some of it is still longer lead time, sometimes double than what it used to be or even more. But now that it's, it's stable, we're, we know what it is. We know the electrical gear is going to take oh, a year, 52 weeks. It used to be, you know, 20 weeks. Now it's 52. Well, as long as we can plan for 52, then we can plan and it's not, you know, it, it's not such a uh, emergency hair on fire type deal. We can plan for it. So uh, electrical and mechanical gear are still very long lead times and not looking like they're uh, lessening anytime soon, but we can plan for them, which is what we need. And most of the other materials have, uh, have balanced. Uh, they've either gone back to where they were before or fairly close to where we can plan for them. It's not a problem not as volatile as it has been the last two years. So how important are the ports of LA and Long Beach gear and materials to your, you know, to your uh, delivery process? Yeah, they're, they're critical because at, at times it was taking longer to get through the port to get material than it was to get it across the entire Pacific. I mean, it was sitting, sitting at the right. port longer than it took to get shipped. And so, yeah, they tell you, oh, it's going to be, you know, three weeks to ship it. The problem is we're adding six weeks to get through the port on top of that. And that's yeah. crazy. That's insane. Yeah. That does, and then the wow. cost. I mean, subcontractors would tell you they were starting to qualify the cost of a of a container. I mean, it went from twenty four hundred dollars a container up to sixteen thousand dollars a container. Uh, so that's, ex you know, that's extreme inflation. And so um, when you're shipping a lot of material across and a lot of containers that that adds up very, very quickly. So, uh, yeah, so the ports are, and the, the timing of it and the, and the cost of that, uh, is, is integral to every project we do. Right. Well, that, that, that's a good segue into, uh, one of my questions, which is, I mean, you, you really do it all as a contractor, whether it's residential or it's commercial, um, and, and there are, you know, there are different codes and specifications for each. Yeah. How do you keep up with this expertise? How do you go about doing that? Yeah, for us being a regional builder, you know, we build in Southern California. And so uh, for us, we've got to be diverse to be, to have continuity and, um, and be, you know, longstanding. So we've got to build different types of products because uh, different economies, uh, you know, different projects and product types are building. If you were only an office builder right now, you'd, it, you'd be hurting, right? But we've got, we, we do healthcare, we do uh, residential, and even a resident, residential is multifamily, not single family, but we do affordable, we do market rate, we do senior living. So even in the multifamily space, we're in a number of different spaces. And so from retail to, to churches, to studios and entertainment. So we've got to have a diverse, uh, group of markets to be able to have that continued success. So for us, what we have is we have specific leaders focused on the certain product types and people underneath those that are focused on the different things for each product type 
that uh, are key to building there. And then we have a large group of resources that can build a lot of different things and have multiple different product types on their on their resume. It's a little like I was talking about when I came to Steiner Langston. In my first few years, I had built office, industrial, uh, retail, and then went on to multifamily, all in the first basically four, four and a half years, I think, of, of being here. And so um, in addition to having leaders that are focused specifically on certain areas, then our people also have a multi uh, first in, in different uh, product types. Everybody doesn't have four or five, some have two or three, but everybody's got experience in multiple different product types. Right. Yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense. Um, so let's go to, let's talk about talent uh, for a second here. Um, you know, you're, you're now the CEO. I mean, you're, yes, you, you are the visionary or provide the vision and culture. So talk about keeping up, you, you keep on, you know, keeping up the talent you need to be competitive in, in this market, in this tough market. Yeah. So I, I mentioned before our Steyer-Langston University and sharing that knowledge and having a setup of, of growing people like Steve and John have done with me has helped grow my career and, and give me expertise. That has been set up through the Steyer-Langston University. And we have that process to bring people in at an early point of their career and train them. We found that to be, you know, really the, the best way for us to give our clients the consistency year over year, project over project of how, how we build and how we do things. So it's a commitment to growing people from within. Um, a number of years ago, we put a, a, a large emphasis on the college re recruiting. We talked a little bit about it in mind, being up at Cal Poly. So we recruit heavily right. uh, and have uh, separate leaders and alumni that are focused on uh, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, uh, Cal Poly Pomona, Cal State Northridge, Cal State Long Beach, uh, and USC. Uh, and we actually recruit from a, a few other places as well. But those are the main specific local ones where they have good programs. Uh, we know the programs, know the people. The people there want to work generally in, in Southern California, which is our area. So we have a, a larger group. Um, some of the out-of-state schools, uh, are great and produce great talent, but uh, you know one or two of them are coming back to Southern California from where they're from. Whereas the schools I mentioned that we target, you, you've generally got you know tens and and hundreds of of, of kids that are really going to come back to this area uh, for their career. And so we put a big emphasis on recruiting uh, interns and having interns. We have about ten interns every summer, and some of those are able to stay on throughout the year in a part-time role and uh, really focus on taking interns, growing them into full-time hires, and then growing, putting them on a career path that grows their career over uh, the first several years of training and, and project experience uh, to grow them from within. And so when we look down at our current project managers, the amount that were interns and college grads is uh, the majority of those, mm -hmm. not all, but a, but a majority of those, which is, uh, which is, to us, how we how we maintain that consistency throughout the years. Wow, that's fantastic. Okay, well, I just want to remind everyone that we're talking to Jason Rich, the current CEO of Snyder Langston, and we're happy to have Jason with us today. So, Jason, I I have to ask before I forget because sometimes I forget. Um, you know, last night I was at the. Um, YPG graduation, the 18th class. And I saw we had the Caprock trophy, Caprock cup. And then I saw this name etched in under the inaugural class. Uh, as, as the one, you were a member of the inaugural class and the winning team. Yeah. So can you just maybe spend a minute or two talking about what that experience meant for you or and has meant for you yeah well the first thing it was was you know it was an opportunity presented to me by steve and john uh to be part of that they had found out about it had been part of naop i hadn't been part of naop uh until that point and they said this is you know this is going to put the next generation of leaders uh in the orange and southern california marketplace 
together. And this is a great opportunity, and we want you to be to be Cider Langston's representative. And uh, so I didn't know much about it when I first got into it. Uh, and it has been amazing over the last, you said, 18 years. Uh, I still talk to a good handful of people that were in that in that class. Patrick Strader was in that class, and I kind of, Brian Myhouse, so I could kind of keep going down. It really was, I, it's amazing enough to see 18 years later and look back, uh, how how many leaders are still in the in the area uh, and have grown their careers and so it was a fantastic opportunity for me and I think it's been a great program over the 18 years we've sent numerous people probably almost a dozen to Asire Langston people through that through that program and it's not only exposed them to the industry at that early part of their career but exposed them to networking opportunities and really showed them that there's more to the industry than just doing your job. Uh, one of the things Bill Langston used to always say is it's always, a, it's all about the relationships and uh, you know, that couldn't be truer. And I think YPG uh, is a great example of that. And AOP is too. It's about the relationships and keeping those connections. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously I agree. I think the, you know, the relationships you build, they last a lifetime. And, and in fact, um, and other business and new business and clients. And today, nearly 30% of our board of directors is comprised, NAP SoCal, mm -hmm. our board, is comprised of YPG alum. So we're really proud of that. Yeah, yeah, it's been a great, great program. And I was lucky enough to be in that inaugural class. And I still remember the late night preparing for our, our presentation on that, <laughs> uh, uh, on, the, on the project. They all, all, you know, all five teams kicked ass right. last night. Really, really proud, really proud yeah. of them. All right. So we're, we're, we're going to wrap up here um, with a few more questions. I know Snyder Langston, and this goes back into some of your earlier comments and even the YPG program has made a commitment to DEI. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that? Sure. That's interesting. When I came here over 20 years ago, one of the things that Steve Jones had, and it was on your review and you had to, you had to answer it and have goals towards it was diversity. And I remember sitting down and going, okay, well, what, what's diversity? What do I do with this? I'm, I'm, I'm new here. And it was, we embrace diversity at this company is what, what was told to me and, and what was ended up, I found written down at places. And that includes not just race, religion, sex, things like that, but we embrace diversity of thought between different disciplines clients, uh, architects, brokers, engineers, we're all different in the same, in the same industry. And so we've got to embrace that diversity. And so it was literally on your review and you had to have a goal towards it. And every six months, uh, you were, it was followed up on. And so, um, I say that because I think diversity with Snyder Langston has, has always been around, uh, Gail Jones <clears throat> came to work for Bill and Don. Uh, I think in the second year of doing business and she rose to be principal. Uh, they were all about um, getting, th getting things done and having a high standard of value, no matter what, no matter what your race, religion or, or sex or anything else was. Uh, we've hired architects, developers to come in and uh, it's really given us a good broad perspective rather as opposed to just being a contractor. So in a lot of different ways, that diversity is, has been key to Snyder Langston for a long time. And we now have a diversity uh, inclusion and diversity committee, and they focus on e equal opportunity, ensuring we have diverse viewpoints throughout the organization, everything from pay to hiring uh, to positions um, and, and evaluating that. And so just, you know, putting a second set of eyes on it other than just our, our upper management. And so, um, it's, it's really key. And I think in terms of the construction industry, uh, you know, everything from laborers on up to, to management, you know, one of the biggest things, um, we've always had a pretty much a diverse workforce. If you took, if you talk in terms of, uh, race and nationality, but it hasn't been there mm -hmm. for male versus female. I mean, it's, I don't, right. Gender diversity has hasn't not been there. Been there. Um, and I mean, I, uh, and so that's, that's something that I would say still isn't there, especially in the workforce. It's getting better, 
Uh, but if you look down, uh, even in the management ranks of superintendents or foremans that are, uh, you know, female, it's just it's just not there. Even though there's been a big push to it, and uh, we've got uh, we've got a lot of our people uh, involved in YOPS and women in construction, and so I'm really looking forward. I think that's a real um, opportunity for the industry as a whole uh, to improve ourselves. Uh, I can tell you the the women in our organization make us better. Uh, and, um, and so I can just, it's kind of exciting to see that continued push and to see it go to the next level uh, uh, as, the, as we head into the future for the whole industry, not just for Snyder Dankston. Yeah, no, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, so talk to me or share a little information about your, I think you have a program called Bridge, a, a Bridge Employee Giving Program. Yeah. And why is that? Why is it so important to you? Well, Stein Langston always gave back to the community and um, had a passion for that. And in the early 2000s, uh, Steve Jones, through a friend of his, brought the bridge program to Snyder Langston, which really made uh, the community service and giving a more grassroots rather than upper management. It was meant to be more of the employees. And early in that process, Steve came to me and uh, asked if I would lead that, that, that program. Um, and that was like in its second year. So for 10 years, I led the bridge program. So for me personally, uh, I kind of had that from my parents to give back uh, and to be giving of yourself. And so I thought it was a great opportunity uh, to give back to the community it turned out to be a great opportunity to learn leadership skills because nothing teaches you leadership like trying to get people to donate their time and help. So it, right. It's one thing to be paying them and they work for you. Uh, it's a whole other thing when you don't have that. So it taught me a lot of leadership skills uh, as well as just being able to continue to year after year, figure out how Snyder Langston could give back to the community and, and encourage our people to uh, have a passion for that and to take their passion and expand it to others in the in the company. We've had a, uh, the goal of the bridge program is to have people uh, bring up what they're interested in the organizations, and then have the company get more involved in that. Have other people get more involved, take the company resources and and donate towards that, towards where the people of the company want it, rather than just upper management. So that's great. So it looks like it's working uh, very well. For yeah. You. Yeah. We're. We're definitely happy with where we are in the community and the organizations we we give to. We give several hundred thousand dollars a year to different organizations. And the biggest thing is it's where our people want to spend their time in the organizations that our yes. people are passionate about. Wow. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Um, well, Jason, I have a couple more uh, questions for you. Uh, we focused a lot, a lot on the. Uh, your education, your upbringing, the nitty gritty, but um, which is what we have to do here at yeah. NAMP and <laughs> talk about these things. But I imagine you do something for fun and I think you have a family. So talk, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So my wife, Jamie, and I met in high school as juniors and um, we started going out after, after high school and we've been married now 27 years and we have uh, two children. Uh, I mentioned my daughter that just graduated from college a little a little earlier. She's uh, she's a nurse. She just got her license, and she'll be next month starting in uh, at Children's Hospital Orange County as a pediatric oncology uh, nurse. And so, really excited about that. Congratulations to her. That's yeah, awesome. That's, it's been her goal since sixth grade, and uh, so it's been kind of a fun year to see her graduate, uh, get the her what she calls her dream job and uh you know have her have her go off and do that she's really passionate about about that and uh and then my son is uh just turning 19 and he's headed into his sophomore year at uh arizona state studying business and finance and so we've got a close family and uh it's been fun watching the kids grow up and uh um it, it's been great yeah well son devil yeah hello <laughs> I hope he's home here this summer and not, not there. Uh, <laughs> he is. <laughs> yeah. No, I love, I love Arizona, but summertime's not the, the best time. Um, 
All right. Well, I, I was going to ask you about the future, but I, I kind of think you're grounded right now, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I think for anybody, the future is, uh, for me, my goal has always been to have a, I call it a successful family, um, have a good relationships with not just my wife and kids, but, uh, you know, a lot, the larger family, my, my parents, my, my in-laws and, and my wife and I have that. And so, you know, that's, that's the number one goal is to, I tell my kids, your goal is not to be successful, it's to be happy. And so, uh, and then, and then work hard to get the other things that you want in life. And then I, the future for me for Snyder Langston is we talked about it earlier. Yeah. It's continue the legacy, but improve upon it uh, and adapt, be able to have a organization that can adapt to different economies and the, in the industry and stay viable and be a, and be a great place to work. I mean, that's really what we're here to do is create a company that not only services our clients and, and what they need, but really is a great place to, to work. And so uh, that's, you talked about CEO responsibilities. It's really my responsibility is to make sure we have work and perform for our clients and also perform as an organization for our employees, that it's a good place to work and, uh, um, help them keep their families successful. Well, Jason, I can see why they chose you as CEO. Uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you today. Well, thanks. I appreciate it, Tim, and uh, look forward to future NAOP events and uh, uh, watching the industry grow together. Awesome. Well, uh, again, we've been talking today to Jason Rich, CEO of Snyder Langston. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and don't forget to tune in as we continue to broadcast these podcasts as I interview those who shape and drive commercial real estate in Southern California. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Everywhere